Wow, wow. What a way to remind me whose stage I'm standing on. Well, welcome, Liam, to my, my stage. The, uh, <laughs> it's great. That, uh, that intro, one of my favorite preachers. Does Andy introduce other preachers in that way? Yeah, because at Christchurch, he did that for every preacher. And I've realized it's a completely empty compliment. So um, uh, thank you. It's great to be here with one of my favorite Andys. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, as Andy said, I am uh, one of the pastors at Christchurch London, and like you guys, we meet in different locations across the city, four different locations, um, and uh, we're big fans of you. I personally am a big fan of you guys. Uh, I've known Andy for years. We've been great friends for years. I know other people on the team, Phil and others, and in fact, my wife and daughter and I live in Southfields, uh, not far from your building there, so we know Sid a little bit, and um, just before Easter, I need to say Christmas, it's not that far ago, I've forgotten what time of year we're in, Uh, just before Easter, we went to the Family Fun Day there, uh, which was really great. Uh, I have to say this, we as Christchurch London have loads to learn from you, particularly in the areas of inflatables and face painting. I mean, you are way, and other areas I'm sure as well, but you are way better than us at that sort of stuff. So we had a great time and uh, it's a real privilege to be here today. And I'm really excited about what God will do. Uh, as we get to pray at the end of this sermon today. We're going to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God today. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his disciples to seek first the kingdom of God. And he gave them this prayer to pray. And one of the lines in that prayer was this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you. I've already got my glasses, but you can keep the case and uh, keep that safe for me. That would be wonderful. What I want to ask is this, What would it look like if God were to answer that prayer? Your kingdom come. What are we expecting that he might do when we pray that prayer? What would it look like for him to answer it? And we're going to look at various scriptures as we go through the sermon. But I want to start in a passage in Matthew chapter 11, which goes like this. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach in the towns of Galilee. When John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, that is Jesus, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back to report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now let me give you a bit of background to this passage. At this, this time in history, Israel was being ruled over by the Romans. And they were longing for freedom, for liberation. They were longing to be set free from their oppressors and for God to send a king who would establish God's rule, his kingdom. And they had loads of ideas of what this king, this Messiah, would be like. The prophets wrote about him in many different ways. And one of the ways they imagined this Messiah is written in Isaiah 61, it says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this was one of the things that people expected of the Messiah. And before Jesus arrived on the scene, John the Baptist started preparing people saying the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. In fact, he thought and he believed that he was the one that Isaiah was talking about when he described the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths for him. 
So people had lived for centuries with this longing of a coming king and a coming kingdom. John the Baptist says, it is coming. It is coming soon. I'm preparing you. And then Jesus rocks up. And sure enough, he seems to fulfill many of the hopes and dreams and longings people had of the king and the kingdom. Jesus seemed to bring with him hope and healing. Many people who had no hope found hope in him. The sick were healed, even the dead were raised. It seemed like signs of the kingdom were popping up everywhere, just as people had expected. And yet, not everything that people hoped for or expected from the king and his kingdom seemed to be happening. In fact, lots of things that they were expecting from the king didn't seem to happen at all. You see, people were expecting a king who would overthrow the Romans and establish God's kingdom. Jesus didn't seem all that bothered about raising up an army and overthrowing the Romans. In fact, he seemed to spend time less with the people in power and more with the lowly, the outcasts, the downtrodden. He seemed to spend time with those you wouldn't expect the Messiah, the King, to spend time with. And he talked about servant leadership. He talked about humility and he even talked about his own death. I mean, no one was expecting the Messiah, the King, to be defeated by the Romans. The point of the King was that he would defeat the Romans. So Jesus comes along, and in some ways he seems to fulfill people's expectations of the kingdom. In some ways he didn't at all. And so understandably, people got confused by this, and even John the Baptist got confused by this. So in the passage we just read, he sent his disciples to ask, are you actually the one we've been waiting for? Are you actually the one that we were looking forward to, to come and bring the kingdom of God, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus' answer is essentially this. Remember Isaiah 61. Remember that thing about the Spirit of the Lord being upon me and being healing and good news to the poor and the dead being raised and the oppressed being free? Remember that? Well, look around you. See the signs of the kingdom. Then go back to John and tell them what you see and what you hear. Look at the signs and decide for yourself whether I am the king you've been waiting for. You see, I think that when we pray, your kingdom come. When we ask for God's kingdom to break into the here and now, What we are expecting is not just an idea, we're expecting something with concrete results. We're expecting something that people can see and hear and experience. You see, the kingdom of God, and in fact Christianity, is not just an intellectual system. It is something you should be able to experience. Where people who don't even know what they think about God should be able to see signs of the kingdom and go, well, it sure looks like God is in charge, even if I can't expect it. When we pray, your kingdom come, I think we should expect to see things happen. In my church a couple of years ago now, um, I had a friend and he started coming along. He wasn't a Christian. He was coming along with his girlfriend who was. And uh, for ages, for months and months, we would meet up and we would talk and we would uh, tackle some of his difficult questions about faith and Christianity. And uh, it was great fun. And one day I was preaching and, and I preached in this auditorium with these long stairs that kind of come all the way down from the back. And I saw that his girlfriend came forward for prayer at the end. We called people forward and she was hobbling all the way down the stairs on these crutches, like looked really in pain. She'd injured herself. And she came forward and I thought, okay, she's going to get prayed for. But I could see her boyfriend look really awkward, not sure what to do at the back. So I went to talk to him, and I was just chatting to him and just talking about questions, various things. Suddenly, mid-conversation, his jaw dropped, and he just looked completely white and shocked. I was like, oh my word, what have I said? <laughs> have I offended this guy? Like, what, what's happened? And then I realized he wasn't looking at me at all. He was looking over my shoulder, and so I turned around, and what I saw made my jaw drop as well. His girlfriend was walking all the way back up the stairs, crutches under her arm. Like completely nonchalantly, in fact she was bounding up the stairs, and she just came over, didn't say anything about it, she just took his hand and said, come on, off for lunch, and off they went. Like, and he was speechless, and I was pretty speechless as well. That's a sign of the kingdom. 
And this guy had no idea what to make of God at this point. He wasn't sure he even believed in God. And to be clear, his journey took quite a lot of months of us talking through his questions in order to help him eventually come to the point of accepting faith in Jesus. But that moment didn't half speed up the journey. Because here he was thinking, I don't know if there is a God. I don't know if Jesus is the king. Suddenly he saw something that made him think, I have no frame of reference for this, but it seems like God is in charge. I long for more of those stories, don't you? I long for our church to be the kind of place where the answer we can give to people who are seeking faith, and indeed if you are seeking faith today, the answer we can give to you is not here are a load of logical answers, but look around, see, see what you see and hear, signs of the kingdom popping up everywhere. That's the kind of church I want to be part of, because Christianity is not just an intellectual system. It's not just a rational thing about believing certain things about Jesus. It is intellectually satisfying. It is rational. And if you have big questions about faith, I hope you find this to be a, a safe place to wrestle with some of those questions. But it's also something we experience. Because when we pray, your kingdom come, we are asking the king to do things that could not be done otherwise in our midst. But that's only half of the passage. And it's actually only half of our experience. And we'll come back to that and the exciting stuff later. But when I read this passage, I see that there's a bit of a tension going on there as well. Because in this point in the story, John the Baptist is in prison. He's not experiencing the freedom and the signs and the wonders of the kingdom that everyone else is. And it strikes me that John the Baptist's experience is quite similar to our experience at times. Now, you can read bits of John's story in Luke chapter 3. I won't try and summarize it all, uh, but I'll give you a couple of little bits of background information to help. See, when Jesus was born, Herod the Great was the king at this time. He died in 4 AD, and he handed over his kingdom to uh, some of his sons, uh, Aristobulus, um, sorry, Archelaus, Philip II, and Herod Antipas, and another guy called Lysanias as well, who's not written on there. Um, but Herod Antipas had a brother called Philip I who married his niece Herodias. This was frowned upon by some of his relatives, and so it caused uh, struggles within the family, and in fact wider. There were power struggles that led to people losing their lives and being executed. Philip and Herodias eventually were divorced, but Herodias clearly had a thing for uncles, because uh, she then went to remarry and married uncle Antipas. Uh, so if you ever thought the EastEnders was complicated, this, like, that's got nothing on this. So here's this situation, and John the Baptist realizes this is wrong. And so he stands up and he speaks out against it. And it says this in Luke chapter 3, When John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. And it was not just any prison. This was the prison that John was imprisoned in. It's at a place called Machaerus, at the top of this huge hill, 1.1 kilometers above sea level. It was a fortified palace with a huge prison. It had a fortress wall 100 meters long and 60 meters wide. This was a horrible place to be. And yet this is where John is when the events of Matthew 11 take place. So there's this tension. Signs of the kingdom popping up everywhere. This guy who'd come along saying, I have come, the spirit of the Lord is on me to bring healing, to raise the dead, to release the prisoners. And where's John? He's in here. So he's hearing the stories of the signs of the kingdom, but for him, he's not experiencing any of them. And so understandably, he says, well, is this guy who he claims to be? I'm not experiencing the freedom. So he sends his disciples to say, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? It strikes me that John the Baptist's experience is not dissimilar from the experience that many of us have. When we look around the world, 
It often feels like the kingdom is not coming in quite so many ways as we would like. As we look around the world, we see a world full of division, full of pain, full of hurt, full of suffering. You only need to think back over the events of the last few weeks. Over 50 people killed through knife crime on the streets of our city in fewer than 100 days. Think about the events in Syria right now. Who knows how they're going to unfold? Horrible, horrible suffering for countless people, which has been going on for years, in fact. Think about the division in our world where people mistreat one another on the basis of a whole load of things, whether it's gender or ethnicity or whether it's to do with age and uh, differences between generations or political differences, religious differences. We live in a divided world. There are not always as many signs of the kingdom as we would like to see. When we pray to God, your kingdom come, what we are asking for is not just a nice idea. We're asking for him to do some concrete things about those areas. We're asking for him to break in such that people look and see and hear and go, wow, I can't understand it, but it sure seems like God is in charge here. That's what it means to pray, your kingdom come. But there is a tension Because as we pray, often, I know for me and for the people that I work with, we do see answers to prayer. I hope that you see answers to prayer as well. But there are plenty of times where we don't see as many answers as we would like. So we need to understand something about the kingdom. And this may be very familiar to you, so I'll get through it quickly. But when we think about the kingdom, there is a sense in which the kingdom is now. The kingdom is here We can experience it now. The kingdom was one of the main themes of Jesus' ministry. Everything he did was about bringing the rule of God, the reign of God. His stories he told, the signs he did, were all demonstrations that the king is here and the king is powerful to change situations. When the people come to Jesus and ask, are you the one or should we expect someone else? Jesus says, go back, welcome, go back and talk to uh, John. Tell him the things you have seen and heard, the signs that show the kingdom is not just an idea of something that will come. The kingdom is now. In uh, chapter 12, uh, the next chapter, Jesus heals a blind and mute man, freeing him from evil powers. He says, if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out these oppressive powers, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom is now. We should expect to see signs of the kingdom all around us. But the New Testament also says there's a sense in which the kingdom is not yet. There is something about the kingdom which is not here in full. Revelation talks about a day when Jesus will return to make all things new. All sickness, all suffering, all pain, all death will be banished forevermore. And then it will be said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. There is a tension of the kingdom. It is now, but it's also not yet. In fact, later on in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. The kingdom is in a battle. It is not here fully right now. And every time something like a John the Baptist being imprisoned happens, every time there is an act of violence or hatred or division, it is a reminder that the kingdom is not yet. There is more to come. So we live right now in an age between the kingdom is now and the kingdom is not yet. Now don't take this the wrong way, but you look like the kind of crowd that likes diagrams. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) No, (laughs) just Andy and me. We love diagrams. I love diagrams. Let me give you a diagram. 
Ah, just to show that I can do PowerPoint like the best of them. This is essentially a picture of the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We live here in this world, waiting for the day when Jesus will return and then the kingdom will come in full. And we will live in the new creation, a world in which everything that corrupts it has been stripped away forever. No more sickness, no more suffering, no more death. Signs of the kingdom everywhere. But... Since the first coming of Jesus, his teaching, his ministry, his life, his death, and his resurrection, something of the new kingdom has broken in to the here and now. I don't know what that is. I'll let someone else figure that one out. If I press the wrong button, do tell me. (laughs) We now are waiting for the kingdom, thank you, to come in full. So when we pray, your kingdom come, what we're asking is this. God, would something of your perfect rule, as it is in heaven and as it will be forevermore, would that break into the here and now? We're asking God to close the gap, that his reality would break into our reality and we would see it, signs of the kingdom everywhere. That's what it means to pray your kingdom come. We live right now in the now and the not yet. And at sometimes our experience will lean one way or the other. I don't know many of you. I don't know what you are going through. There may be seasons of your life where it feels like the kingdom is so now, you just have faith for everything. I know there have been times in my life where I've been like, I will pray for anyone. Like, bring me the sickest person you can find. Come on, I'm ready to go. Like, because I feel the signs of the kingdom are so there. But there are other times where I feel a bit more like John the Baptist. Maybe they feel distant. Maybe they feel very disconnected from my reality. Maybe I can see other people experiencing signs of the kingdom, but for me, I feel imprisoned. I feel trapped by life circumstances, by illness, by suffering. We're going through some of that in my own family right now. There's a gap between what I am longing for, hoping for, and what I'm experiencing. And all of us live in this tension of the now and the not yet. And you know those two feelings can coexist in the same room. Today, as I speak about the kingdom of God, maybe some of you heard that passage, you thought, I feel like Jesus. Like, I'm seeing signs of the kingdom everywhere. It feels great. That's brilliant. Maybe some of you heard that passage and thought, I know what John the Baptist is going through, because I don't feel that at all. I feel like I put my trust in Jesus, and now I'm thinking, is he the one I was meant to be waiting for? Is there someone else? Because I feel imprisoned. I feel trapped. I feel like the kingdom is not here in the way it was promised to me. Well, see, the kingdom is both now and not yet. And we need to keep a balance. If we overemphasize the now, we'll get disappointed when the struggles, the battles, the tension of the kingdom comes our way. But if we overemphasize the not yet, we will rob ourselves of faith and the incredible things God wants to do through us as we pray, your kingdom come. I don't know what your temptation is. I think, to be honest, my temptation is to overemphasize the not yet. I think there is so much stuff God wants to do through us if we would only pray, your kingdom come. I want to raise my levels of faith to see more and more signs of the kingdom. That's my prayer for my life, my church. It's my prayer for you as well. That everywhere we go, we would see the kingdom breaking through in more and more ways until the day when Jesus returns to make all things new. Now, actually, if you are identifying a bit more with John the Baptist today, can I encourage you? He does exactly the right thing in this passage. You know, he brings his doubts and his concerns to Jesus. He doesn't just sit there in his prison cell and resign himself to the fact that maybe I got it wrong. Actually, he goes to Jesus, or he sends people to Jesus. He takes his doubts and concerns to him. When I have been going through John the Baptist moments, when life has been tough, often I found that speaking to God is the last thing I want to do. (laughs) I don't know if I'm alone in that, but often I feel like I don't want to bring my troubles to God because he's one of the troubles. (laughs) I thought you were going to give me answers to these prayers. How can I come to you? How can I trust you? Well, actually, John does exactly the right thing. 
Because God is the only one who is powerful enough to answer our prayers, to bring something of the not yet into the now. So can I encourage you, if you are going through difficult times, bring your prayers, bring your doubts, bring your concerns to God. He is big enough to handle them. And we would love to talk with you and pray with you at the end if we can. There's loads I could say about that, but I just recommend a book, uh, God on Mute, by a guy called Pete Gregg. If you've not read it, it's a fantastic book. This has got me through some very dry John the Baptist times. This book is a brilliant book about how to trust God when it seems like your prayers are being unanswered. If you feel like John the Baptist today, Bring your doubts, bring your concerns to God. We would love to pray with you. But do not let your experience of the not yetness of the kingdom rob you of the possibility of the nowness of the kingdom breaking in. Do not allow your experience right now to stop you from praying that big prayer, your kingdom come. Because you know what? The way the kingdom will break in is through our prayers. It's through us seeing ourselves as agents of the kingdom ones who are tasked with bringing that sense of the signs of the kingdom wherever we go. There's a passage in John chapter 14, which I I love and um, I've loved for years. And actually recently it's been really challenging me again as I've been thinking about this. It's a familiar passage. Jesus at this point is just preparing to uh, die and rise again and ascend to heaven from where he will send out his Holy Spirit. And he makes this promise. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, signs of the kingdom. And they will do even greater things than these. Why? Because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That is a big promise. (laughs) That is a huge promise. Jesus is saying through prayer, you and I will be able to do the very same things that he did. Why? Because he's going to the Father and as we ask, he will answer that prayer, your kingdom come. Now, I don't know how you feel when you hear a verse like that. Maybe some of you get excited and go, that's great. I want some of that. I want signs of the kingdom. Maybe some of you think, yeah, he kind of meant me. I'm not sure that I am up to that task of doing the things Jesus did. Now, if you feel that way, you're kind of right. But that's also kind of not the point. Because Jesus doesn't ask you to believe in yourself. He asks you to believe in him. And he says, whoever believes in me. He doesn't Add on any caveats, whoever believes in me and has led a church for 10 years, or whoever believes in me and has read every one of Phil Moore's books. It's not like that. It's it's whoever believes in me will do the same things I've done. No caveats. The only requirement is that you believe in Jesus. And to believe in Jesus doesn't just mean to intellectually accept a few facts about him. It means believing that he is good enough to deliver on his promises, and therefore I'm going to take a risk and do what he asked me to do. Pray your kingdom come. And Jesus says that when we do that, we will see the very same things he has done, the signs of the kingdom. In fact, he goes further. He says you'll see even greater things, which is baffling, like better than Jesus. Now, scholars disagree exactly what he meant. He might have meant greater in quality, as in we'll do even more impressive miracles, or he may mean greater in quantity, like we'll do the same things, but because there are more of us doing it, it will be greater in quantity. I don't know what Jesus meant. I don't know whether he means we'll do greater quality or greater quantity, more or better. I'll tell you what he didn't mean. He didn't mean we'll do less and worse. I mean, there is no way the Greek means that. At very minimum, Jesus expects that we will be able to, if we trust in him, we will be able to do the very same things Jesus did. Just let that sink in for a moment. See, when I... um, 
went to university. It was the first time where I was ever in a church where people talked about the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God as if God still did stuff today. I grew up thinking that he hadn't done things for 2,000 years, like he'd forgotten how to do miracles or something. I don't, I don't know. And I went to this church, and people were talking as if relationship with God was possible. This was a new idea for me, having been in churches all my life. And as I started to think, I want that, and I started to experience the power and the presence of God in my life, it changed me, completely changed me. I remember reading this verse and getting so excited. I get to do the same things as Jesus, and here's what I did. I went on the internet, I printed out a list of the miracles of Jesus, I folded it up, I put it in the back of my Bible, and I took it everywhere so I could tick them off as I did them. (laughs) This was how I thought I was meant to interpret that verse. Now, I didn't get very far, uh, walking in water, feeding 5,000, that was about it, but that was a joke to me. (laughs) I'll come and do your bring and share lunch single-handedly. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm not sure I ever did a single one of the exact miracles Jesus did. I saw plenty of signs of the kingdom. And I don't think that's exactly what Jesus wanted us to do, like play miracle bingo, as if we could kind of keep a scorecard and go, hey, done it, I've completed Jesus. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that's the point. But as I reflect back, I think there is something of a childlike faith that I had in those early days that I don't often find I have these days. It so easily gets squeezed out by doubt or disappointment or cynicism or the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I want that back. I'm not going to go and print out a new list and put it in my Bible, but I want something of that spirit back. I want something of that excitement back. And you know what? I want it not just for me, but for this city. I want it for you, but not just for you, but for this city. Because if you believe, as I do, that this world needs to experience the healing touch of Jesus in the same way that it did when Jesus was literally here, my question is this, how is that going to happen unless it happens through you and through me? We are agents of the kingdom. Jesus said, you are to do the things that I did. You simply ask me and I will answer the prayers. So if we don't keep up our end of the bargain, this world is going to suffer. We need to be people who boldly pray big prayers, your kingdom come. And not just look at a situation and think, that prayer, I'm not sure God is going to answer that, so I won't pray it. It's not your job to decide in advance which prayers God is going to answer and only ask the easy ones. We ask anything, anything Jesus says, and I will do it. Can I encourage you to pray bold prayers, to pray big prayers, to see yourself as agents of the kingdom, bringing his rule and his reign. Karl Barth, the great theologian, said this, To to clasp hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. I love that. If you look out at the disorder of the world and think, I can't do anything about that, you can. You can clasp your hands together in prayer. You don't even need to do that. Raise them, kneel, stand, sit, whatever. Just pray, your kingdom come. It's the beginning of a revolution against the brokenness in the world. And as we pray, your kingdom come, God loves to answer that prayer. I have the privilege of overseeing the prayer teams at Christchurch London and uh, I've been really challenging the people uh, who are on those teams just to pray more and more and more your kingdom come to expect more to pray bigger prayers than we even think we're allowed to pray trusting that God may be able to answer them and I could tell you dozens of stories of things that have happened in recent months as people have come and received prayer and they've experienced healing from physical ailments they've experienced freedom from life controlling habits maybe they've experienced provision where they've had had lack previously of finances or jobs or housing, where people have been put back together again as a sign of the rule and the reign of God. Let me tell you just one story. I love this, and I tell you this story because I've got it in the guy's own words. He emailed it to me. Uh, It's a guy called Alan who emailed this. 
He said, my mum was visiting Christchurch London's East service recently, and she loved it. Uh, that's it. That's the miracle. <laughs> it's not a great service. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a great service. Um, but she said, yeah, she visited. I think it was the first time she'd ever been there. She said she loved it. She said, he said this. She has had chronic neck, back, and chest pain for five years, and has been sent to every kind of medical person you can think of, and they've all sent her away with no explanation. During the service, the leader said, the prayer team wondered if there is someone here today with neck pain who God may want to heal. At that moment, she felt an overwhelming lightness and a peace all over her upper body. She felt like she was being lifted up. No one was lifting her up. <laughs> no one was even praying for her at this point. She'd simply heard these words and got excited. She said, in that moment, God met with her. She felt she didn't even need to go up for prayer because God had already done a work in her. For five years, she has never slept through the night, but that night she slept through the whole night and the pain was no longer there the next day. Isn't that incredible? That's a sign of the kingdom. In fact, he signed off his email saying this, so like, wow, like God is so like amazing. And then some emojis of hands like that, which I think is a good sign, right? <laughs> That's what we do when the kingdom comes. Your kingdom come. It's come. <laughs> With things coming out of our fingertips. I don't know. But I long for more of those stories. That's the kingdom. That's the not yet breaking into the now. I could tell you a dozen stories from recent months. You know what? I'm not satisfied with only having a dozen to pick from. I want more. I want our churches and my life to be full of signs of the kingdom such that whoever comes into contact with me and with you and with our churches, they'll go, well, I can't explain it, but it seems like God is in charge. So like, wow. <laughs> That's what it means to pray your kingdom come, to ask God to close the gap, to bring his reality to bear on our reality so that everyone can encounter him. I don't know what you are going through today. There may be some of you who are just longing for, needing for signs of the kingdom in your own life. Maybe you are suffering with, he with uh, ailments that need healing. Maybe there are areas where you need hope or provision or guidance from God. Would you dare to pray your kingdom come in my life? However you felt up to now, if you have battled with disappointment, would you dare to lay that to aside today and to come to God like John the Baptist did and say, I don't know, but Lord, would you deliver on your promise? Would your kingdom come? I'm trusting you here. It may be that some of you actually are less thinking about the kingdom needing to come in your life, but longing to be an agent of the kingdom. You're praying, Lord, would your kingdom come through me, not just in me, but through me, in my workplace, with my family, in my neighborhood, in my community. Maybe there are some of us here today that need to say, I have not prayed bold enough prayers. I have chosen in advance which prayers I think God is going to answer and only prayed those ones. Can I dare you today? To ask the kingdom of God to come in you and the kingdom of God to come through you. We're going to have an opportunity to pray and to commit ourselves to God as agents of the kingdom at the end. And I expect that as I pray, your kingdom come, there will be signs of the kingdom breaking out here today. I don't know what they're going to look like because I'm not the one that gets to answer the prayers. But I'm simply going to pray and I'm going to invite you to pray, your kingdom come. And then we'll see what God wants to do. As we come into land though, I want to just show you a film clip to inspire you a little bit. I, uh, this is a film I love, I've seen many, many times. I watched it again about a year ago, and um, a couple of years ago, and just found myself blown away by this one scene in particular. And if there's any one thing outside of scripture that can sum up my dream for my life, and for my church, and for your lives, and for your church, and for this city, I think it's this film clip. It's from The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, which is a great film. I imagine many of you have seen it. If you haven't, I'm not going to give away the ending, but you have had 25 years. What have you been doing with your life? <laughs> it's a great film. Um, 
to give you a bit of background, it is set in a prison in Portland, Maine, where the character of Andy, who is played by Tim Robbins, is serving a life sentence for murder. And Andy begins to work in the library at the prison. And one day they receive this shipment of boxes and he opens it up and he finds this record um, of the Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro. And this is what happens. Let's play the clip. yet breaking into the now. Hundreds of people in the monotony of imprisonment just stop dead and look up to the heavens to hear this beautiful sound expressing things you can't put in words. And they look there and the sick get out of the hospital beds. It says like the walls dissolve away and everyone in imprisonment suddenly feels free. That's the kingdom of God. I long for that more and more than I am experiencing right now through my life, through my church. I long for it for you. I long for it for the good of this city who needs to experience something of the freedom that can only found, be found through Jesus Christ. Do you long for that? For more of the kingdom to come? Then why don't we stand? And maybe the band will come and join me. I want to have an opportunity to pray. And we'll have a chance to pray um, generally and specifically uh, before we close. But first of all, we're going to come back to worship. I don't know what is going on in your heart today. I don't know what you need from God. Maybe you need something of the kingdom to come for you. Maybe you just want to say, God, I want to be an agent of the kingdom. I want to bring the kingdom wherever I find myself. We're going to pray in a moment. But first, we're going to sing a song as a way of fixing our eyes on the king of the kingdom. Because it's not just about what we achieve. It's not about our work. 
works, it's about him ultimately. So first of all, as we come and sing, let's fix our eyes on him and let's prepare our hearts. And then I'll come and I'll pray, your kingdom come, and who knows what he'll do. (laughs) Let's worship.